It is good to be with you today. Uh, my wife couldn't come because she had ministry responsibilities in the church in Bloomington, and so she is fulfilling those. Or she may be done by now, probably so, or thereabouts. But uh, it's a delight to be able to be with you today. I want us to begin with the scripture reading. Uh, you can see it's from a number of different passages. I'll read the blue letters and you read the black. Hey, hey, miracle worker. Okay, let me read and I'll re read along with you. My goal in reading scripture is not to see who can make the 50-yard dash the fastest. It's God's holy word. Awesome that we have. Each one of us should use whatever gift has been received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace. Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept silent because on the way they had been arguing about who was the best. Missed that one on you, sorry. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last, the servant of all. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles, rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort of his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. <laughs> Good to have them memorized partially, isn't it? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality of God or something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even the death on a cross. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature Rather, serve one another in love. Let's pray together. 
We thank you, Father, for the model that the Lord Jesus gave to us as he lived life here on this earth. That he was willing to humble himself. And that he declared his purpose, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, Lord, in our selfish natures, we want to be served. And oftentimes, reluctant to be the servant. As we look at the scripture today, I pray that your spirit would work in each of our hearts and that we would renew our commitment or make a new commitment to be a person who desires to follow you. Thank you for your inexplainable gift of love toward us. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for being near to us. And we do pray for this congregation, these dear people, and their needs in this day. We pray that you would continue to sovereignly guide as they seek to discern your direction in calling a pastor. Speak to us now, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of the most difficult lessons in life can be the most rewarding if we will choose to allow him to use it that, in that way. This character quality is an essential part of becoming an attractive family. Increasingly, I see the crucial ingredient of calling a pastor, being a leader in the church, is our character. A person can have phenomenal charismatic gifts and speaking abilities, but if they have no character, it's going to be a troublesome time. To become a servant is a challenge for all of us. For some of us, today what we're going to talk about is going to be an encouragement. Praise God. And for some of us, it will give us food that we need to think about and reflect deeply about. One of the things I wanted to teach my kids was that they would become servants, not just in the external, but in their heart. So when they were in elementary school, we worked with the newspaper and said, we'd like to get a paper route. So the boys got paper routes. Their, daughter, their sister later followed them up. It was quite a task. You know, paper route, that sounds kind of simple in a town like Pontiac. You just deliver it to every house in the block, practically. But you know, there were people who wanted their paper in a mailbox or paper box. Uh, people who wanted it in the garage. Some wanted it on the front porch. Well, you know, People had different desires of where their papers went. But you, they had to learn where this customer wanted their paper and where this customer wanted their paper. It's a simple servant attitude. And then there was collecting. Oh, man, what a chore for the boys. They started when they were in second grade and fourth grade. Go from door to door and people, I don't have change, come back another time. And... Uh, 
You know, and then there were days that it was so rainy, they'd get soaked. Probably worse was when the snow was very deep and they had to plug through the snow to get the papers delivered. But in the process, the boys and Esther learned that there is joy in being able to be a servant. Tight schedule, almost every day it seemed. You know, you had to get done so you could get, get to church for this. You had this so you could get to ball practice. But the paper has to be delivered, period. There were the pressures of it being six days a week, every week. Challenges on every front. And so as they delivered newspapers, they began to learn some very important qualities. And the, the focus of my sermon this morning is on Galatians 5.13, but I'm going to use a lot more. But one of the rewards they got when they did their business, and as Dad said, you, there's a difference between mowing your yard and doing it with excellence. It was not just cutting the grass. It's making that yard look like you're proud of it. We had a number of family chuckles when somebody would say, oh, you must not have the contract for the grade school this year. Why? The yard was getting mowed, but it was not being done with excellence. Learning to be a servant is a powerful assignment, but as they mowed and developed beautiful lawns, you know, one of the things that they learned is servants get taken advantage of. Some people wanted a, a Lexus job and paid like a 20-year-old Chevy. Some people wanted a neglected yard to be a golf course in one mowing. And they learned. They grew in that whole matter of character and the payoff for them was that he graduated from college with no debt, plus had finances to begin married life together. In our American culture today, we are flooded with a self-centered, selfish culture that is desperately in need of servants. Everybody wants to be the boss. Nobody wants to be the servant. That's an important thing for us to pause and think about. People want somebody to care for them, but they don't want to invest emotionally or physically in caring for someone else. Galatians 5.13 says it so well. For you were called to freedom, brothers, and then this. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I like the way the message puts it when it says it's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's what it's about. We read the passage in Luke chapter 22 that is a powerful description. 
Who's greater among us, the one who reclines at the table or who, one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. Powerful words. On another occasion, Luke describes the anger that they had as they were walking, apparently, to the Passover supper. And the word that he uses is quite interesting. Their noses were red, what we translate anger. So it was not just a superficial kind of anger. They were really intense. And the way Luke describes it is it's not me saying, well, I'm better than you, but it's me saying, I'm better than you, and you're just a piece of junk. And here are these guys that have been with Jesus all this time. They're still wrestling over that thing. I want you to call me boss, and I'll call you slave. I'll call you a servant. This is a great need within God's family today. We have motivations to serve that are based upon the example of the Lord Jesus Christ washing the disciples' feet. Another whole beautiful picture of uh, servant humility. And then his plain declaration that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And this powerful passage from Philippians chapter three, uh, 2 that the Apostle Paul writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What? He came to serve, not be served. And he gave up his power and glory of heaven to come goes on, made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. I hope you pondered that here in the Easter season. I think too many times we as Christians skip from triumphal entry to Easter. And we never think about those days in between. A very depressive day. A stunning day that it's dark for three hours. That there was an earthquake and rocks moved. There were saints who were resurrected from the dead and went into the city after the resurrection of Christ. What is going on? I identified with Peter in that whole process that he, well, all of the disciples ran. You know, I hope you remember, remember that fact. They all ran. None of them had the opportunity to say to Jesus, I'm so sorry. Perhaps you've had a loved one die, and you said, I wish I could have just said. Their situation was magnified in that whole situation. Jesus came and humbled himself and became obedient even to death on the cross. As I stop and think about Galatians 5.13 again, I realize how it is for, easy it is for me to claim my freedom but neglect using it as an opportunity to serve Christ. Christ calls us to have a passion to serve him in all that we do. Another verse I memorized many years ago is 1 Peter 
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Think about that. God has given you gifts and abilities and passions to serve in his kingdom. And he says you need to faithfully use those administering God's grace in its various forms. Notice each one of us, not the five people in the front row, everybody. Now, what we do will be different, but we are to faithfully administer God's grace. You talk about a stewardship, that one's a little shaky, isn't it? To say, I'm going to represent Jesus in the way I serve. And he uses that word, serve. To serve Christ as we serve people. A crucial issue. As I look at that verse and as I ponder it, I ask myself, am I a passive spectator or an active participant? Am I a customer or a co-laborer? Customers complain. Customers complain when it's not on the screen. We'll find out where we are here. Oh. But, ah, there we go. Co-laborers find solutions. We live in an American evangelical culture today that accents customer. And so they complain. A co-laborer is focused on building solutions in our ministry and in our service of Christ. We must overcome that American mindset and say, Lord, why do you have me alive at this day in this situation for your kingdom purposes? And an element of that is to serve other people. To reach out and help them. See, I, I just think that we need to think through that whole matter. Are we faithfully administering God's grace? Jesus calls us to do that and to model it. But not only do we have motivations to serve Christ, we have plenty of commands in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. There was an old fellow in our church. I, I suppose he must have been at least 55, but I, he seemed like he was ancient in, growing up in the kid. And Uncle Dory, that's what we called him, Uncle Dory. Um, he'd love to stand and say every once in a while, this verse from Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatever your fi hand finds to do it, do it with all your might. A passionate man for the kingdom of God because where you're going, there's never the planning or knowledge or wisdom. We need to remember that basic reality of life as we seek to serve Him. We have so many scriptural teachings, and I'm just highlighting a few of them today, but they ought to motivate us to serve. But the second part is how do we serve? And I think that we need to think through that whole scenario. How do we serve? Jesus served with, with humility. We read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 8, with humility. 
I've, I've seen a lot of churches in different sizes, different communities, different people, some educated and some very uneducated. But one of the commonalities that I observe is this. Somebody can look at something that needs to be done and they say, somebody ought to do something about that. And then there are people who say, I can do that. And they serve sometimes quietly behind the scenes. They've developed a real humble attitude of being able to say, how can I help? You talked about it this morning, how many of you are filling in. And that readiness to help, whatever it is, to be able to be a greeter, or an offering taker, or whatever it happens to be. But another interesting thing that came home to me many years ago, we were doing day camp in our free church in Burlington, and uh, we had a group of teens who came to help us with it. Linda was in charge of interviewing these kids because they kind of came in at the last minute, but we wanted to get a little bit of pulse about who they were. And one of her questions was, would you be willing to help clean the toilets? The truth is, she had some kids that were pretty hostile to that question. We came to play with kids and help them not clean toilets. I fear that we each sometimes have that attitude. Jesus calls us to think differently. How can I help? And to realize that sometimes the way I need to help is not my preference. But for the kingdom's sake, to model Jesus, I need to choose to do it. So we've looked at motivations and how to serve. I want us to talk about problems of serving. You know, our culture is so infiltrated with some attitudes that we don't even stop to think about it. One of our problems is the selfishness we all feel. Selfishness. Look at this phrase. You've probably heard it. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Did you catch the, the sequence of those two statements? If you will serve me, I may serve you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Or what about this one? Us older folk remember Tennessee Ernie Ford singing this song, With a little bit of luck, I won't be home when you call, and other incidents in, in that song. But uh, he drove it home. It's nice when you serve me. Yep, that's my old self-centered speaking up powerfully and intentionally. And then I, another reason I've heard people say is I can't do that, but I have to admit that sometimes I didn't mean I cannot. I rather meant I do not want to. Our selfishness, it's so deep and ingrained in our sinful nature. I'm going to come back to the Luke 24 passage and where Jesus calls them on the carpet. They remained silent because they knew they had been caught. I'm condemning you because I'm such a great person. 
Jesus said, your pride is eating you up. Another one I wrestle with, and perhaps some of you do too, sometimes I get too much on my schedule. And then I'm too busy to help anybody. That takes deliberate intention to break that habit. And to realize I cannot watch every movie, I cannot watch every TV program, I cannot do every thing that I would like to do. I need to put some boundaries so that my, my whole attitude of busyness is within the appropriate boundaries of what it ought to be. Another problem we face is our focus. Our natural response is, who can serve me? Jesus calls us the other site, and that rather than, who can I serve? That's a good question for all of us to consider carefully. Who can I serve? Serving is such an interesting and important uh, character quality for each of us, but for as a congregation as a whole. How can we serve other people? True service, of course, comes with a right attitude of heart. Readiness to serve because it's the attitude of the Lord Jesus. He is our Savior, but also our model one of the most important character qualities that we can ever nurture in our lives is to be eager to serve. We need to teach our children. We need to teach our grandchildren. We need to serve wherever we are. I worked part-time in a hospital in, in uh, Bloomington as a ch chaplain. and The CEO was adamant. If you see a piece of paper on the floor, pick it up. The message really drove home to me when I saw him within a few hours walking down the hall and lean over and pick up a piece of paper. Readiness and eagerness to serve. However, God calls us to be that way. Back in the 70s, our church over in Pontiac really fell in love with this song written in 1972. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is people. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we are the church together. I count if I am 90 or 9 or just a baby. There's one thing I am sure about, and I don't mean maybe. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Simple truth, but it's a reality. You know, this church would not exist, this congregation would not exist if it were not for the service attitude of people who came before us. They sacrificed and gave funds. They sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their service. I think about that sometimes just driving around here in the Midwest. 
in so many of our small towns in the Midwest, you drive through town and you see a church building, and if you were a betting person, you could say, I bet it's for $10, it's a Methodist church. Why? The circuit-riding preachers who had a passion to spread the gospel and to serve, riding thousands of miles on horseback, regardless of the weather. They chose to serve in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How might we serve another person? President John Kennedy made an interesting statement. Actually, it was from the Greeks some 1,500 years before his inauguration, but his statement on Inauguration Day, his speech, included this statement from the Greeks. Ask not what your country from, can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Our Lord Jesus wants us to have a similar perspective and quit asking, what can the church do for me, but what can I do for the church? To ask what not what a brother or sister can do for me, but what I can do for a brother or sister. In my service, I demand, in my life, I demand service. I want service with excellence. Jesus calls us to be the servant who gives the service, not the recipient of the service. How can you serve a neighbor? How can you help? Yeah, we do pretty good within the body, usually. But what about that neighbor next door, the person that you work with? How can you serve them in the name of Jesus and exalt the name of Jesus? Galatians 5.13 says, Serve one another in love. Yield to God's authority, Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romans 12.1 Yes, indeed. I call you today. Choose to enhance your character quality of serving others. In the name of Jesus. Amen.